Oh, good afternoon, Matt. Uh, my name's Andrew McElwain. I'm the Managing Director of Investigator Resources. Investigator's prime asset is the Parasilver Project, 53 million ounces of silver uh, in the ground in South Australia. Australia's highest, highest grade undeveloped silver project, and we've got a few other strings to our bow as well. You do, you do. And to release the, any value, you're going to need some money, which you've done today. Why, why, how much have you raised and why, and where has it come from? Well, look, yeah, very timely uh, uh, to be able to uh, present tonight. Uh, we'll come out of a trading halt uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, we've raised uh, $4.2 million, uh, a little over uh, at at about a 15% discount to our last traded price. So the uh, placement price is 4.2 cents with an at half an attached option. So quite an attractive raising, really well subscribed, in fact, way oversubscribed uh, by investors. A lot of our major shareholders uh, have come in, but importantly, um, our largest shareholder, Jupiter Asset Management, uh, will uh, backstop their 15% as well. So great vote of confidence from uh, the Jupiter guys. Well, well absolutely. Um, nice way to end, end the year, obviously. Now, last time we talked back in November, we had a sort of technical session, quite a good one, I, th I thought, definitely well worth watching. And we'll put a link below to um, that, just trying to understand how you're going about doing what you're doing. But now with this money on board, um, is that what are, you, what are you going to be using it for? Because I, I couldn't help but notice the, the tungsten project that you, you're doing in Ernan too. What's the plan for next year? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, the tungsten project's not distracting us from our main game, which is uh, our Paris Silver project. And uh, one of the things that uh, it's great to be able to update listeners on is that we've negotiated uh, access to an extension of the Paris area. Uh, we had one end of the pit that was constrained by some traditional owner or some Aboriginal heritage uh, con uh, areas. Um, over a period of time, in fact, over three years, we've worked with that traditional owner group to identify and understand what their concerns were. They've, in fact, now recognised that there's really no importance to this small area at the end of the pit. And it's given us an opportunity. Uh, we've got an extra 200 metres of an 800 metre resource area that we're currently drilling at the moment. So um, quite an opportunity to step out. Without doubt, we'll get silver intersections in that, but that's going to grow the resource for Paris. And it's one of the reasons why we've sort of taken our foot off the gas on completing the DFS, because we knew if we could get access to this area, we could put some more ounces uh, in the project and it would make for a, uh, a more viable project. Right, okay. So taking your foot off the DFS, I mean, it, look, I don't think it's unusual in this uh, environment for, to, for companies to be doing that because they're slightly concerned at the reaction they're getting in the market, which is a big shrug of the shoulders. So um, it kind of stretches that, that um, or delays that. Was, was that the intent here or was it sort of genuine attempt to scale this thing? Look, genuine, genuine attempt to scale it. Um, we uh, really had to balance the importance of this uh, area whilst we were negotiating its release. And look, to be quite honest, uh, we uh, were very humbled by the approach from the traditional owners. And in fact, it didn't cost us anything to get this area released. They have put us on notice they're coming later when we want to go into production. But um, what it does, they recognise the project, uh, if we can grow it, then it's got a greater chance of moving forward. So people have asked me, are we going to get uh, what percentage uplift? It's very hard to predict that. But we'll certainly add ounces, add, add value to the project. Um, you're right, we raised money uh, and we were very, very pleased and uh, and a little taken back by the quantum, but it's about the silver bugs. Everyone sees us as a proxy for silver investment and uh, we were we were basically overrun by offers today. We've scaled back and, as I said, we'll take uh, $4 million. We We wanted to 
do a placement at the end of this year so that we didn't go into next year. We've got quite a well uh, sort of enunciated program of work next year and it would have come to a stage where everyone was looking over their shoulder wondering when we were going to do a placement. We've cleared the decks, we've got money in the tin and we're right to move forward for 2023. Right, but, but, but why the kind of segue off to tungsten? I, I get the kind of addition of the silver answers, but that wasn't just it. Is there some diversification, risk mitigation? What was the thinking behind it? Yeah, look, since I've been involved in investigative for the last two or three years, I've always said that we'd like to have another project. Um, I've probably made the comment that we've looked at a range of gold opportunities, but there are no cheap high margin gold projects around. Um, and in fact, a few people have bought the ones we looked at and maybe haven't gone as well as they'd hoped. But uh, so we've been very judicious in what we wanted to get into. A little bit of my background is I operated a tungsten project in Spain for a couple of years. Uh, I understand the market. I understand offtake agreements and where the value can be added or destroyed. Um, and also have 15 years of experience operating in the Northern Territory. So we jumped on a, onto this project. It's been around for a while. It's been unloved. The company that had it didn't have enough money to take it forward. They had previously completed a, completed a DFS. We think it needs a bit of a polish up. And uh, that's what we'll do in our first sort of earn-in stage is spend a million dollars over 18 months earning 25% interest in this project and then represent the DFS. Right, so the real value in it genuinely is the silver component because like, if you've got a DFS and you picked it up for how much? Uh, it, total spend to earn 80% will be $8 million, but if we get to spending the second and third tranches of this, we will have committed to construction of that tungsten project. Whether we do that, whether we spin it into a different entity or whether we sell it to someone, uh, but we'll add some value and see what we deal with going forward. So it's, it's a little bit off to the side. The work we do up there next year will be as we're waiting for assay results back from our drill program closer to home at Paris and, and uh, regionally. So it's, it keeps our uh, geos active on the ground as well. Right, okay. Okay, it'll be interesting to see how that, how you advance that and how, and how that develops and how the market reacts reacts to that given it's got a DFS already. Can I, can I just talk to you about the – you talk about this a lot. You say you, you are a proxy for the price, silver price, right? So which suggests that the market's going to do quite a bit of heavy lifting for you. What about the stuff that you're in control of? You've obviously raised this money to advance the project, albeit you know, by slowing down the DFS component and trying to add ounces. But what else are you in control of? What else can you do to add value? So look, a couple of things. Uh, we've, we uh, have started, and as a consequence of having some money available two years ago, looking at regional opportunities. So we drilled a fantastic intersection at Apollo, which is five kilometres away from our Paris project. Um, best silver intersection outside the Paris resource, uh, which we got back in about March this year. So we'll step back out as soon as we finish drilling Paris extension in January. We'll step out to Apollo and start chasing that silver intersection. A little bit further afield, we've got other tenements of probably 80 kilometres to the east, and we've got 40 kilometres of strike along similar similar geology. Um, we did our first round of drilling there last January, February, and uh, we intersected mineralisation in 24 of 27 holes, which is just a spectacular hit rate for a first round of drilling. So we'll go back to Uno Morgans, which is this uh, satellite area, and we'll be chasing up uh, what was some very good silver and zinc intersections out at Uno Morgans. So um, not just the one trick pony, but certainly most of our value. Really simple, multiply 53 million ounces by $34 an ounce, 
and there's $1.7 billion of silver value in the ground. Right, okay. Uh, but that's in the distant future. You've got a bit of work to do um, between now and then, right? So I think in November we, t- we had a technical session. We talked about the, the metallurgy and, re- and recovery rates um, and, you know, abil- ability to actually work out what you'll end up earning, not what you could earn, but what you will end up earning. So on the metallurgy, you talked about lead and potentially some rare earths, but I think there's a, you know, I think there was an honest conversation about the, the complexity of rare, the rare earths component. So with the silver and the lead, have you done any additional metallurgical work? Are you planning any for 2023? Yeah, so Matt, look, thanks for uh, drawing me back to that. Um, a, a couple of things we have done on the metallurgical front is we've completed the, uh, and this is all pretty non-interesting, non-sexy type you know, technical work in the background where we're crushing rocks, working out indexes and things. So we've done the comminution testing, which is the crushing grinding component of it. Uh, with this uh, influx or inflow of money, it allows us to continue and complete the next MET test work, which is about a half million dollar program to identify the the most appropriate route to recover the lead that's in the resource. So there's about $300 million worth of lead in the Paris resource. And in our PFS, we attributed no revenue from that. So half a million dollars of MET test work to identify how we get 300, or how, what we can get out of $300 million worth of lead. That's That was in the resource. It was planned to go through the plant. We just assumed we weren't going to deal with the lead to make a really simple story to start with, and now we're building on that. Right, okay. And then, then I kind of the, the, the big challenge that companies are dealing with in this environment, obviously, we're still getting infl- inflation numbers coming off a little bit, but, you know, in no great hurry to. Um, they've been battling with the economics. They've been battling with the CapEx component especially now you're obviously going through the phases yourself at the moment are you seeing what what are you what are you seeing out there are you sort of confident that you can sort of keep the capex uh, inflationary growth on the capex to some kind of well to a minimum um or do you expect there to be you know like some people are seeing you know wholesale changes about the way that you perhaps need to kind of approach the project yeah, so look, um, certainly the cost of steel and fuel and labour has increased. Um, uh, ironically, though, we, we've been able to attract people, and we're not talking about 100 people, but 10 people uh, at, at a time, at reasonable rates, not something that's, you know, 50% higher than what's a year ago. So we don't think labour is going to be a major issue for us. Um, the other side of it is, uh, and certainly fuel, and one of the things that we left unanswered in the PFS is the contribution from uh, renewables as opposed to just plain diesel-fired uh, power generation. So there's a few bit of finessing going forward there. Um, and we also um, will do some smarter things that we left off the table in the PFS, and that will be about management of, uh, of material movements, uh, how we can schedule and, and so on, and, and particularly... Uh, another aspect we get out of the metallurgical thing is, in fact, we understand that what they say is the waste characterization. So we know if we actually take lead out of the tailings, then we've got a more benign tailings. We can do some different things with it. So, a few uh, there's some swings around about certainly in the in what the cost profile would be going for. Um, but have, look, having said that, uh, the flip side of it is is that everyone points to a much higher silver price. Um, you only have to, in fact, since we last spoke, the Silver Institute have released their uh, statistics and silver consumption this year is up 16% on last year. Uh, I've kept saying that electric vehicles, solar panels and so on are going to consume more silver. 
the silver consumption now is over 1.2 billion ounces. Production's about 900 million. So it's going to something's going to move here soon, and I think that we will see that in the gold silver ratio, which is still sitting at about 85, not 65, where everyone thinks it should be. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, silver does have that kind of utility to it, whereas gold perhaps is suffering from. The lack, that lack of utility, um, certainly in terms of sentiment in the marketplace at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see how that, the precious metal market as a whole develops. Um, just, just in terms of um, what I alluded to in terms of wholesale change, you know, we've seen a lot of companies having to rethink their strategy for how they get into production, how they develop the project. Now, clearly, you know, at PFS stage, you've got a ways to go yet. But is there something in the back of your mind saying, well, you know, potentially, do we do we look at a smaller start in case, you know, if CapEx numbers do get ridiculous in in, in, a, in ratio to our market cap and in uh, ratio to our ability to raise capital, cheap capital, um, have you got a kind of plan B in the back of your mind? Yeah, and look, and, um, I may have talked about this before. Um, I, I sort of have this term I talk about the sort of natural harmonics of an ore body. I don't know who made that up, but maybe I did. I'm not sure what it means. But um, the size of this ore body doesn't lend itself to be mined as fast as we presented it in the PFS. The reason we did that, though, is because it's really just a dirt-moving exercise. The bigger gear you can get in there, the quicker you can mine. But it actually created some stockpile and working capital things for us. So um, there, is a, there is a smaller scale down, less than a million tonne option. But uh, that also means we've got, to, we've got to deal with some other fixed cap, capital costs, which are you know, road construction and things like that. But, um, you know, we, we do have a, an opportunity to do so. And, and the other thing is if we can slow it down, it ends up with a greater than a 10-year mine life. And financiers love that as opposed to a six- or seven-year life. So yeah, we, we've got a couple of things that we'll certainly look at. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that sort of the, the, the balancing act there, isn't it? Um, you can sort of see the why people want to get into production earlier with a smaller project with sort of cheaper capital because um, it's l- less dilutory but at the same time you know some of the fixed costs don't change for, for a big project with a small project um, that's right you've got to get power and water there and, uh, and, and access for people so um, uh, look just uh, one thing you did touch on was rare earths and it's not a main game for us by any means we're sort of accidental heroes and having found some rare earths um, I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because we're actually not sure what we've got. Many, many, ironically, rare earths aren't all that rare, and as you know, many people are finding them. Um, It was a – and credit to our new chairman uh, who was a a professor of geology at the University of South Australia, and he said, look, I think you're in the right environment. Why don't you go back and re-assay some of the areas that you've had a look at? And, in fact, the Apollo drilling where we got that great silver intersection, we went back and re-assayed some of the upper areas. We – clearly don't chase the whole suite of rare earth minerals in our uh, in our assays. And lo and behold, we came out with some great numbers. Um, I just put a full stop at the end of that because you can have great numbers, but you may not have recoverable rare earths. And we've taken those samples. They're in the ANSTO lab at the moment going through the metallurgical process. And if it turns out that we need a pH of one to extract 50% of the material, we'll just leave it in the ground and move on. But interesting sort of sidebar uh, topic and conversation for us. Added a bit of you know uh, interest to the project. We have about 100 kilometres of that stratigraphy right along that you know fault. We'll keep having a look, but certainly rare earths isn't our main pursuit. Silver's our game. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm about to say with, with, with rare earths, you can I, I think 
potentially companies destroy a lot of value if they go go chasing something which will never actually make it out of the ground economically. Um, you can always point to increasing prices. but uh, here, and I, I never like speaking ill of my peers, but we hear a few people that are staring at the ground, shuffling their feet, wondering what they're going to do with the results. But uh, so we've never professed yeah. we've got something there that's worth anything. We've, we've, it's an interesting technical pursuit at this stage. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, again, very, very honest. Because um, some people go chasing the headlines, go, oh, we'll put rare earths in there because it's topical at the moment. Might might get us an extra few shareholders, but it's, it's doomed for disappointment if, if you don't actually go and deliver on it. So I appreciate the honesty. Um, it's silver focus, led by product. Um, you're kind of going through the phases with across the economic studies and the, and the, as you say, the kind of boring stuff on the ground that needs needs to happen. What does 2023 um, hold for your shareholders or anyone looking in at this? Sure. So we'll close out the DFS by the end of the year um, and represent capex and uh, and operating cost numbers. So we'll have an, a clear understanding as to whether this is a, a, a financeable and doable project. We we wouldn't be doing that work unless we were thinking we were heading down that path. Um, having said that, we're chasing uh, known mineralisation now. We have intersections that can add uh, as feed or resource that can feed to a Paris plant in concept. So whilst we're focused just on the current resource of 50-odd million, which I think will extend with this current drilling, we're also looking at some regional uh, opportunities. Um, the real key thing for us raising money was that we can get on with this project and get on with the plan and not have to worry about and not have... Fine, and not have shareholders thinking, God, when are they next going to raise funds? Clear, you know, we've, we've done that, put it on the table before Christmas. Happy New Year, and we're away. Well, see, like, I think as Merlin pointed out in the last interview, you know, your, your, your shares have actually done reasonably well compared to certainly your peers and certainly compared to the rest of the market. Um, so, raising money now allows you to be sort of, uh, well, you're not cash constrained. There's a, you've got optionality in terms of how you spend it, how quickly you spend it. So, it'll be interesting to see what you guys do next year. But, look, Andrew, appreciate the end of your roundup for us. Uh, great news on the raise. Glad you got that away, and glad your uh, main shareholders, um, you know, f- following their money, as it were. Uh, it's a good indication. So we'll see you, in the, see you next year. Look, Matt, uh, great wrap-up. I'm sure we'll have a few presents under the tree that we'll be able to reveal next year. So.